Hello, how are you doing? And welcome along to season number six of Into the Black Archive, the Doctor Who podcast that goes through every single episode of Who. That's right, every single one, including the classic ones, which is why season six is not Matt Smith uh, gallivanting around in an astronaut costume. It is Patrick Troughton gallivanting around in a quarry with some fridge-looking things and a Scottish man. Uh, my name is James Stevenson, joining me as Owen Cranston. Hello. <laughs> Season six, did you think we'd get this far? That was the most boring intro you could have was done. Was it? That's good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you said, rest on shoulders, so I delivered a professional intro <laughs> for once. <laughs> right. So this season so far, we've just had one episode. This season is mostly in- intact, so we should have good amount of things to watch uh, yeah and then after that we're into well we're outside of Troughton and then we're into Pertwee which means fun colour and colour and also not as many episodes lost in fire or by BBC production methods uh, no those episodes a lot of them did get lost ah colour though particularly the colour yeah particularly the colour ones they got lost got the black and whites I guess uh, yeah, and they had some old, terrible quality tapes, and they managed to um, blend the two together. They essentially took, you know, how in composite, yeah. essentially in composite, you've got the illuminance, which is essentially the black and white sort of for shape, yeah. and you've got like the color side of it. I might be getting these two the wrong way around. No, no, you're fine. It might be illuminance for color, um, and they essentially found a way to blend them two together. So you got the sharpness of the black and white, which was high quality. And converted it with that with the colour. Quite good technology. Can you call mine a boring intro? Uh, so... <laughs> Rude! <laughs> so uh, this episode that we're having a look at is The Dominators. It's the first story of... We're going to dominate your podcast app. Well, hey! <laughs> that's, a, that's a sexual joke. Uh, and every single time we make a joke about Dominators, we're going to put it in a swear jar or of some description, I think. Because I sense there's a lot that of wasn't, that wasn't That wasn't a sex joke. It's sort of. It, it's, it, the connotations of Dominate are... Uh, you can take it that way. No, I was just... I was just uh, <laughs> only if your brain is that filthy, James. Is your brain that filthy? Look, I'm aware that my brain is that filthy. I'm just seeing where the connotations are. Okay. If you, you say have so. to live in the muck like I do to understand where the muck is. Right. Hmm. Yeah, people say we have so much chemistry when we do these. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean. Oh, God, this is off to a bad I start, know. isn't it? <laughs> My God, this is absolutely chaotic, just insulting each other podcast record. Perhaps it's... We started off with the most boring and professional intro, which has developed into this utter mess. Perhaps. Which I think says so much about this podcast, and potentially Doctor Who, because we started off badly, we weren't good, and then we're kind of at this episode, and this is where I'm linking it in to the quality of this episode. Which is exactly what I was going to do and segue it, um, because perhaps it's because... The quality of the Dominators is, it's not great in a lot of ways. <laughs> Essentially, until the last episode, when we get a lot of outdoory shots, hmm. it feels suspiciously like we've gone back to First Doctor territory, where the production values, at least, leave a lot to be desired. 
like we did have some good story elements in for, for the first Doctor, but production quality generally in that see that sort of generation was quite poor, and it feels like we're back there again. It's kind of amazing how it's well, it's a five part story, so you'd think that they've put some money into it, but it feels almost Edge of Destruction esque in the sense that it's almost like a bottle episode, budget wise. Yeah, and 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 this is something which I said I was going to put to you, but I never did. I'm going to skip right to the ending right here. Yeah. Is it just me? Or did they essentially steal this from one of the first season episodes? Actually, no, second season episode ending. Y- yes, come to think of it. I'm trying to think what episode you're thinking of now from season two. Planet of the Daleks. Not Planet of the Daleks, Dalek Invasion of yeah, Earth. Yeah, Dalek Invasion of Earth. Because they are drilling down mm. into a borehole to get into the core to send down next... But- Actually, I think in their eyes, it was to fly the Earth, but this time it's just to explode yeah. the Earth, and the entire plot is around them stopping something falling into the Earth's Yes, core. they get Ian down there in the in the um, the shafts and things to try and stop that from happening. It is kind of stolen, but at least it's stealing from a good episode, and the ending is kind of fun, and the last part's a good ride, but you do have to, you do have to go through a bit of a grind to get there. So, yeah. Owen, it's a classic episode synopsis time uh right right so let's go let's go let's yes, go let's pump go. yourself up so so let's go let's go yes let's go yes that makes this edit <laughs> i'll this be amazed <laughs> <laughs> right so for dr lands who with with Jamie and Zoe, where they come across two different alien races. One, which looks like a clam. The other, which likes to wear curtains around their waist. And what happens? Well, the clam people are trying to blow up the planet f- and store some energy inside of it. This is not a plot synopsis, which is very good. I am fully aware of that. I just wanted to make the clam and curtain joke. <laughs> so, we were moving on. <laughs> My God, this is bad episode. <laughs> are we going to have to put this out as like um, the Dominator's disaster train crash? Is that what we're going to have to call this? <laughs> we have to put it out. Right, I'm going to full disclaimer. I'm, I'm going to go again. I'm going You're to go, go again. again. I'm going to do this better. Okay. I'm going to. Do, I'm, I'm going to go again. We're doing this again. We're doing this again. We're, do, we're doing All this. Right, again. Oh, and so James, time. Thank you, James. So. We first of all meet some new two characters who look like clams. Essentially, if you imagine an 80s evil alien villain, you've got your match here. He looks like a clam. He's got massive shoulder pads and they are here to do some evil things. They have brought along some some little robots called Quirks who look like a box which has a suite on its head and they've got funny arm things. It, I, I just find them amusing, to be completely honest with you. And we also come across some other alien race for natives of this planet, which are called V. I can't remember how to say it. Hold on. It's like dull, dull something. Dull it. Dull so kiss. We're going dull to kiss go is ahead. the planet. Dull and Dulcians. There we go. Dulcians. planet Dulcians. Dulcians. So we meet the Dulcians, and you can tell which they're for Dulcians because, unlike the clan people, these people wear curtains around their waist. 
which is a very key difference in their personalities. Not really, because the Dolcians are pacifists. They like to discuss. They like to discuss meaningless stuff for hours on end. They spend this, the race of the Dolcians spend this entire episode talking about how they shouldn't do anything in the face of danger. Mm. But we get get to that later on. So uh, the Doctor finds him, they discuss things, they argue with things, and then they start digging a hole. They start slowly wiping out the quirks. Um, and, yeah, I, I've run out of steam like this episode did. And, yes, and then the uh, ending happens. There's a great big seed, and it's going to fall into the into the planet, but then they stop it, and they pick it up, and then they put it in the ship of the Dominators and dominate them with fire and fury. Yeah. So I... We've said before already, which is quite a boring episode. Do you think, because this is this, it isn't unique to this season, but it's unique to our watching experience so far. Mm. This is, I think, potentially the first five-parter. So we previously said four-parters is for best, and six-parters tend to drag. Mm. Do you think this was boring due to the episode count? Actually, no. Uh, because I don't think it's an issue with story pacing. It's simply because there's not a lot of story to pace. You have issues maybe where there's a lot of story and you're not you're not attributing it to the certain episodes and you feel like some episodes are a lot more action-packed than others. But with this one, they kind of all feel that they're not very action-packed. You get a lot of... It just feels like a lot of build-up for the end a, a lot of the time because you've got the sort of characters meet characters and there's kind of these movements around but then you have all these subplots that don't really mean anything towards the end and it, and it doesn't really add up to a con- conducive whole like they only really sort of like in a good story at least you should kind of be leaving hints for the ending and have it ramp up it kind of feels like they were just kind of sailing along got to the end episode and went oh shit we need to end this somehow yeah, it really does. It's only until maybe the last 15 minutes that it feels like there's actually a lot of like plot and movement. And that's what makes the last episode quite good, because it moves in a good way. Yeah, it's got explosives. As I was saying, it's a bit of an up in production value. We're going out and about. We've got some explosives. It looks like all the budget for this episode was spent <laughs> yeah. on, for this story was spent on that one episode. And that one episode but alone. What, what I will give this episode, to be fair to it, is I think it. I think there's more personality for the characters, which we'll get into in a minute, than I think there has been in some previous episodes. I didn't mind the introduction of the Dolcians at all. I thought they were okay. I actually quite enjoyed their whole conversational pacifist thing. It, it was kind of a new thing that we hadn't seen in the previous episodes. But on the flip side, the Dominators are one of the weakest villains I think we've ever had. They're just not a lot to talk just, about. Just going off things which rip off things. That's like, once again, linking it to a Dalek episode story. Mm. The Fowls? Oh, yeah, the Fowls. They were a pacifist race which refused to do anything in face of severe danger. But until Ian slapped one of them, but... You know. Well, yeah, there was that whole sequence, was wasn't there? Where was Ian it? was like, grabbed one of the Fowls' women. And was just like, I will kill this woman. <laughs> <laughs> and he delivers hostage yeah. tactics. Maybe that's what Jamie needed to do. Yeah, Jamie's a bit. Jamie's very, very caring for women now. I've noticed that every female companion. It's always like, well, where, well, where does this companion? And and this is usually his drive now throughout the episodes. Whereas it used to be fixing the problem. Although he kind of figures it out this episode. So 
I feel like I'm going to have to remove your attempt at a Scottish accent, otherwise I might be expelled. Look, I'm not there, so you can't be blamed. Hmm, but am I facilitating this? It, well, it depends. If you, if you put out an apology now for that accent, saying that it doesn't reflect your views, I think it's fine. Owen Cranston would like to apologise sincerely for the uh, accent which my co-host decided to use. It was not his intention to facilitate this, and it does not reflect his views in any way. And as such, we're ending the recording here. <laughs> Goodbye. Wow, that'll do her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ending for the, the podcast here, but yeah, no. You, you can if you want. <laughs> um... <laughs> so there's uh, there's not much to say in this episode well, shall, so we, talk, well, shall we talk about characters because I do think there's stuff to talk about we've got a new companion for a start so yeah. it's worth having a chat about Zoe yes I think she is going to be an interesting character but she isn't utilised to her full word which I've forgotten uh, yes that's the word I was after um she doesn't really go to her full potential because I can see where she's going, where they're going with her. It's a nice change of pace to the all screamy damsel in distress because there's, there was a period when she could have been a screaming damsel in and distress, but she tried to think it. And she, there was a slight scream, but then she then tried to work her way out of the situation, which was a nice change of pace. It's good to have a young female companion who isn't purely there to scream. Yes. But I also feel like she's lacking in other ways. I just don't feel like her personality is really there. Yeah, at the minute, it feels like the brief for Zoe was, can we just not have a Victoria? Which is, which is fair enough as a brief, I suppose. But what you get is to replace the things that, that Victoria did have that were distinctive, i.e. screaming around everything. Zoe's from the future, so she knows quite a lot already. So she doesn't have to get up to speed. She's, she's with us. Um, can I just say... It's nice to actually see that being used. Mm, yeah, we've gone on about that before. Our, because our previous futuristic companion companions were Stephen and Vicky. Now, we don't really know much about Stephen's story because a lot of them are missing. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of disconnect him a little bit here. But with Vicky, the stories who we, which we do have quite a lot of, we kind of don't see the fact which is from the future is just kind of like oh she's from the future in episode one but now episode two she is the standard human yeah it was just kind of they forgot and, didn't they and from what we saw what we've seen of steven obviously how i've said we don't have much of him so i can't really give him a solid judgment it feels like they went for something similar yeah steven was always just ian but a bit more fighty for me mm. I think what, what we've seen of Zoe in this episode tells me two things. One, if utilised correctly, there's a genuine character. Because it's yeah. there. The, the pieces are all there for her. The, the second issue is, and I'm, this is not a criticism of the episode, by the way. There's a lot of moments where she'll talk about these concepts that only people in the future know, like atomic, you know, things like atomic energy and solid yeah. fuel rockets that she'll mention from passing. The leap that they've got to take in future episodes is using that knowledge to progress the story. Because at the moment, it's great, and we're getting an, uh, an understanding into her, but it has to now affect the story. If they can figure that out, she'll be good. It links very much into what we were saying earlier about how it feels very first doctory. Mm. They are, see, they're they feeling like they're shoving in science in there for education purposes. Actually, yeah. But a lot not of that. for 
but not for story purposes. And you could also argue that's a similar f- issue which Chipnall had, particularly in his earliest episode, earlier seasons. It, yeah, it does remind me, because um, they do these intelligence tests in one of the early episodes with the Doctor and Jamie, where they're basically pretending to be dumb. And there's a sequence where they have to figure out how to get out of an electric current to stop being shocked, and it's because of the way circuits work. Uh, so there are moments like that, which I thought were fairly well inserted, and like nice bits of, oh, here's a science fact. That that bit there were, but I'm on about a lot of what Zoe said. Whatever Zoe said seemed to be that sort of educational stuff, but never used. Yeah, it was just never there utilized. to be name-dropped. It got an insight into, all Zoe's from the future, but that was the only purpose it achieved. It achieved it, but now it's about taking the leap forward and making that into a good character. It's just, I don't want a situation again like we had with Poppy, where she had a very good first episode, and you think, oh, this is it, and then... She becomes Coffee Girl for a series. But I think this is going to be the issue with us reviewing Zoe from here because we don't have our first episode. Yeah, so we are coming in a little late. So, so we might have a really nice personality build-up in that first episode, which we just don't know <laughs> We about. don't know that it got forgotten. Well, we'll find out moving on because we've got a series of Zoe to review. So hopefully this is the moment where the Doctor finally figures out what a female companion could be. Yeah. Is it is it worth talking about Troughton? Seeing as I mentioned him, he's—I wouldn't like to say which he's got the same point which William Hartnell did, where he sort of stagnated, became a little bit. No, I wouldn't say that. But also, I don't feel like there's that much character development in there. I think you can tell that we're reaching a point now where the regeneration is coming because because i think we had this with hartnell about a season out where the progression stopped and it was sort of well this is your doctor enjoy him while you can because he'll be gone in however many how many many stories i do like trout's doctor so i'm not complaining too much and i don't think it's getting stale yet and there are little different things that happen i think there's a lot more comedy in this episode than some others and the comedy actually works to an extent yeah it's one of the few things we should do. Yeah, one of the few things you'd have to give this episode is is it's got some good jokes in it that do that do make you chuckle. But I do agree with you in a, in a sense that we haven't had much progression for Trout's character, I think probably since his first series, because even season five, there's not an awful lot of progression there. We have specs. We have specs of it. We have the, the ending of the Web Planet, for instance. Web of Fear. Or Web of Fear, yeah. even. Yeah, definitely. Getting confused with my webs again. There's too many webs. And, yeah, and... But yeah, we've kind of gotten to that point where we've got the solid characterization of him sort of being this slightly manipulative hobo who likes to have his own invisible chessboard, which is attempting to play, which doesn't always go to plan. And that's essentially now his his being. And I don't really know. They don't really seem to know where else to take him from that. Yes. I think one of the issues with the Troughton era is that there's been too much reliance on the Doctor is already ahead of you mm. to, to solve stories, which I think was, was, and I know this is a bit of a tangent, I think it's one of the issues that plagued Sherlock, the, the Cumberbatch Sherlock, for clarification, later on in its series, where it felt like yeah. he would just pull stuff out from out of the blue and Moffat would just tell you, well, he's done that because he's Sherlock Holmes. It's like, well, that doesn't feel satisfying. We're just being told something. Um, so that's an issue. I mean, they do that in... In Sherlock's original, did, did you ever watch? I sent you a massive video essay about why Sherlock is crap. Did you end, end up watching it? I might have ended up watching. I don't think I did, to be honest. It's one of those where I saw the length and I was like, ah, uh, should I? 
I don't think I did it. You should. It's very good. It's very good. Yeah, because I, I know what it'll yeah, roughly a... say. First two seasons, good, and then it completely loses the plot. Nope. Doesn't say say that. Does he say all of it's bad? It said first two seasons. Yes. Wow. And for the exact same things you've just said, he just pulled things out of the air. We have flashy text, mm. and then we go, Sherlock's clever. He solved it. Well, hey. But isn't there hindsight in that? Because I remember when that happened, when the first series was actually on telly back in 2010, and that was like a whole new thing. And everyone was like, oh, that's a really cool way of showing that. And I think because so many other shows copied it later but, down the line. But either way, does, is that an excuse for bad storytelling? Flashy text? Not necessarily. I think it's a different visual approach as a, as a sto- to do it. As a story writer, does that help alleviate your bad stories? Um, it doesn't improve the script because... At the end of the day, it's a graphic, and that's to do with the directing team figuring out interesting ways yeah. to express things. The question is, if it's written in the screenplay that you want flashy text to happen, then okay, sure, because that's like a choice, and it is moving your story forward. That's the that's the direction you've wanted to go. But I do agree, certainly towards the later episodes, it, it became... I think the best way to describe it is it became really arrogant, like the first series, it was used quite well, and then they thought, "Oh, we're really fucking smart here," and so they just kept doing it for less important things to the point where it just became overwhelmingly arrogant, and you felt like it was talking down to you as a viewer. Yeah, which reminds me of something else Moffat did. <laughs> Love this tangent on Moffat. We always end up here. What else did What else did Moffat do? Doctor Who. I agree. Didn't do much on Doctor Who. Doctor Who. This is when I get murdered by Moffat fans. Go on then. Give, give them the ammo. Well, I'm, I'm just saying which um, in Doctor Who, um, that kind of what Moffat did. The same storylines repeated, getting more and more arrogant. Yes, more actually. The, frust- the, frustrate- <laughs> right, the frustrating thing with Moffat is that Stephen Moffat is an excellent writer, but he will never be as good of a writer as Stephen Moffat thinks he is. Because yeah. Moffat thinks he's absolutely like God's gift. And every time he comes up with something quote-unquote clever, or at least that he thinks he's clever, he goes to every possible length to explain to you why it's so clever to the point where it's not really an episode anymore and it's just an hour-long narcissism orgy where Moffat is telling you how good of a writer he is without actually writing anything at this point. It's like a tribute to himself. Yeah. Like, even even parts of the 50th feel like a tribute to Moffat more than who. And then we all forgave it because Colin Baker showed up. No, Tom Baker showed up. Colin Baker. But yeah, no. Um, you can tell how much there is in this episode to discuss. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Trout's going through the motions. One thing I will say is I liked Jamie more in this episode than I have in recent ones. Yeah, they've, they've kind of allowed him to regain that comedic side to him, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. Because it kind of left a bit. Yeah, because they were doing but this love story got... thing. But it's, it, we've, we seem to have regained comedic Jamie, which is quite nice. Yeah. And I think they've actually found a balance between... Because he spends a lot of this story worrying about... Because Zoe gets um, taken by the Dominators uh, along with a group of other characters and they end up being like worked in the... And they have to get out of this slave labour situation. 
Uh, and Jamie spends time caring for Zoe in the same way he, you know, cared where Victoria was, but it doesn't feel like it's weighing his character down like it did last season. He still gets the moments yeah. where he can be the Jamie that we know and love. He's funny, and he comes up with a really good solution for the finale and plays an active role in the story, which, you know, kills a few space Teletubbies. What could go wrong? Yeah. Exactly. Should we, should we talk about those quarks, so- actually? Yeah, should we talk about our villains quickly? Yeah. Should we talk about the quarks? The quarks are... Um, so how do you describe them? They're kind of the the slave robots of the Dominators. They do the little works and kill some things. They are the ideal BBC, we need a cheap robot villain. And my word, did they nail it out of the park on cheapness. It looks like, yeah. it looks like they went to Hobbycraft the morning of the shoot. And we're like, uh, yeah... Yeah, you know and those, yeah. For best way to describe them, do you, I've forgotten what they're called. Dolly mixtures, you know those pink dolly mixtures. <laughs> yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. On on top of a matchbox with some legs. This reminds me of what that is. Them. When I was at school and I was like ten years that old, there was like a competition to like build a robot. You know, like in the sense of one which is like artsy and looks like a robot yeah. would and if and you know and if you have a bit of tech knowledge maybe you can put a circuit board in there and have some electrics whatever obviously i didn't i'm not a very techie person but every robot turned out looking like that this yes. is the most generic thing what isn't generic to be fair to the quarks is the voice which is in the classic doctor who fashion and tradition really annoying <laughs> And really undecipherable unless you've got subtitles. <laughs> I did not watch it with subtitles, so I'm going off my interpretation of what the Quarks are talking about. Normally, I watch things with subtitles anyway. But for whatever reason, BritBox was not set up to watch with subtitles. And I realised, because I could not understand a word of what the Quarks were saying until I turned them it's on. It's this kind of high-pitched, wheezy voice. It's a high-pitched, wheezy voice, which I kind of keep cutting in and out of. The best way to describe it is it's like... It's like if you, for some reason, if you have a child who loves Teletubbies and you fall asleep with Teletubbies on to appease the child and you wake up after your two-hour-long nap, somewhere in your dream, the Teletubbies would have turned into some kind of anxiety nightmare and that's what the Quarks are. They're here. They've come out of your mind. They are in front of you. Look at them, accept them, and consider... Um, calling your they god. They are the, your master. They are your master. Oh, and the, Follow the The quarks. issue with the cork, quarks, God bless them. The corks will tell you what to do. <laughs> Listen to the corks. They will be in your bottle of champagne and they will what? pop like corks. <laughs> <laughs> the corks will pop. Are you saying that the corks will pop the corks or that the corks are the corks? Much like the end of The Power of the Daleks, I'll let you make your own mind up. <laughs> the one problem... Well, I say one problem. The biggest problem with the Quarks is they are not intimidating in any conceivable way. <laughs> they're like the... Wait, what? They're not... The- they're very intimidating. They are, They've got oh, they are 60s Star Trek villains. They are 60s Star Trek villains and like not the not the good Star Trek episodes that are good. I mean the Star Trek episodes that have clearly been filmed out in the quarry where you have these really like ridiculous zoom shots and and poor effects and they're just standing around in costumes in the in the desert. It's like how they do it on I the Black not, Mirror parody of it. I will not accept this blasphemy of of the corks. 
for Quarks. At least you didn't say it was blasphemy of Trek, because I do like Trek. It's just that at the end of the day, I have the to Quark accept box. Trek because of its cheesy values. Yeah. And this is... I mean, it's cheesy, but it's not good. So you don't think very highly of a Dominator then, do you? I, I just can't believe that, that you've got a villain which is set up as being like, oh, we are so, so good and we're so, so powerful, whatever. And they spend the entire episode quabbling, not having any sort of general plan and being entirely undominatory. It's like the entirety of their characters that they're good at being villains and they're not good at being villains. And if you forget that, then there's nothing else. Now, the only time when they dominate a situation is when they enter into the council and they kill one person. Yes, they enslave some pacifists, Barry. So the pacifist old man is who dies from the Dulcian committee. Yeah. It's not exactly a big... It's not exactly like a catching a big fish, is it? Like, you'd think that they'd be able to kill a whole room of those, like, if they could conquer ten galaxies. Yeah. It does kind of make you wonder how the fuck do they conquer ten galaxies. Perhaps they just went through all of the, like... You, you know how people say, oh, yeah, we've got 10 wins in a row, like in football, is because they've been playing pub teams. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> just they bad just, opposition. They just irritated them to death. <laughs> yeah, they just they just quabbled so much. The others went, you know what? If you're going to argue this much about it, you can have your damn galaxy. We're off. So essentially this podcast... Hmm. This podcast has achieved more than Dominator has because we just quabble amongst ourselves about random stuff which makes yeah, no difference but, but hey at least we get the galaxies if we do that Good based point. on this episode so i don't mind having a galaxy for just some quabbling no nor do i it's a good trade but and we yeah. get little quirks quarks quarks yeah is it quarks it's quarks 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 yes the quarks uh yes the irish are the dominators uh uh for helpers so the issue I have is just that they're such a generic villain that they're trying to set up to be something really cool and there's just nothing there to make it work. Describing this entire episode. Yeah, you've got two main dominators. Uh, you've got a guy... Ugh, got to figure, re- remember the names now because they've got, you know, alien names. So, yeah, you have... Um, this guy, Rago, who's like the leader of the operation. And then you have Toba, who is his deputy. And he has a, a penchant for destroying things. And he will say destroy a lot in this episode. It's up there with Maxtable's kill, I think, if you counted it up. Destroy! <laughs> destroy! And then you get these awful static shots. <laughs> but at least Maxtable does it in a humorous way. This is just endless destroy. Yeah, his entire personality is destroy. I wish it was any different, but every conversation they have is just, Toba, you shouldn't destroy these things. It isn't efficient, but I like it. Well, okay then. Just don't do it again. And then he promptly does it again about 28,000 times before they have such an argument that he nearly kills him. Yeah, and then, then he kind of stubbornly doesn't destroy, yeah, right? At the spite. End, when, when the plot requires it, he doesn't destroy. Yeah, when the plot requires him to, he's like, and do you know what? No, I, I've learned my lesson now. And his learning his lesson kills him. Yeah. Which it's, I suppose is ironic. Yeah. It's not a very good story, is it, to tell the kids? <laughs> Don't you learn your lessons, you might die. 
yeah. What, what is you, that for a good, for a good <laughs> message in a in a BBC show? If you're BBC, doing the wrong defund thing, defund for BBC, defund for BBC, defund for BBC, defund. If you're for doing BBC. the wrong thing, just keep going until it becomes the right thing, and then you die, and then you die. But there we go. It reminds me of there's a rule in um writing about character arcs. Where, where apparently, like, you should give your characters three choices, and if they make the wrong choice three times, then they die. Or, if they make the right choice three times, they can also die. But that's only if the character is, like, Martin Luther King, basically, and they're, like, a martyr, and they die for a cause. So it, so it's still worth something that they did the right thing sort of deal. So this guy does the wrong thing how many times? And he didn't die after that third time. Does that count towards your writing rule? The usual rule of a hero is that you do the wrong thing the first time and you yep. do the wrong thing the second time so that then yep. you learn and you do the right thing when it really matters. Did the doctor do that in this story? No, the thing with the doctor is he often just does the right thing. And I think that's why it feels like he's going through the motions because the doctor doesn't usually make mistakes. It's why it was so interesting in Web of Fear when it ends like that with the doctor sort of making an error because that's not something we're accustomed to, particularly in the Trouton era where it does feel like he's kind of beyond your understanding and you're playing catch-up with him. Yeah. Yeah, this... the and, and I suppose that's why this episode feels so static, because you don't get a lot of changes in the choices of the characters. There's not a lot of twisting. Everyone's just on the same level. You've got people... You've got these Dulcians who are obviously pacifists and obviously aren't going to change, and you've got the Dominators who are obviously evil and obviously aren't going to change. And then you've got the Dr. Jamie and Zoe, who we all know are good anyway, so no characters really change That's throughout the, the thing, entire episode. Nothing in this episode surprised me. Mm. You could tell what... You could tell which there's going to be a fight. You didn't know what the fight was going to be about because they didn't, couldn't be bothered to think of a fight to cause the fight over until the last second. But you could tell there's mm. going to be some conflict. You could tell who's going to win it. There's no twist to make it interesting. The episode then ends. Yes, but here's one thing I'll give the Dominators credit for, and I think we really should. There is a lot of best death contenders. Like, a lot. Yes. I'm very happy with the cheesiness of the death. It's up there in... It's up there among the great pantheon of stupid death Doctor Who episodes. What did you think about that effect which they used in the first episode, but then never used again? <laughs> oh yes, that um, the face melter is yeah, what I'm going to call it. They never used that effect again. The point which I forgot <laughs> it existed until you mentioned what? best death. Yeah, what is the deal with those? Um, what was the deal with those characters again? Like, where did they come from? So they'd come down in that ship, hadn't they? Doing a from, sort of I think gap they year must... thing. They must have been some sort of like thrill seekers, yeah, kind of dealio. They're like just out of uni, traveling the universe, and they crash on the quote island of death, which yeah. it's called for the whole episode. And then they go, then they do the whole conspiracy of, oh, you haven't really taken us there. Oh, oh no, it's not, it's not really. For, yeah, it's for not really the, the island of death, is it? And then how, they how die about a minute after they arrive. How do I know you took us to the planet of death? Oh look. <laughs> There's no radiation. I'm going to sprint out there just as if it's completely fine. Oh yes. Yeah, and there's this, there's this, there's this a girl who is kind of like it's quite impressive how much characterization they did. They did more characterization with this girl in the Thrill Seeker pod than they did with most of the characters in this episode. Where you kind of get this idea that she's a little bit um maybe spoiled and kind of wants the attention around, and she oh she, you know oh, we shouldn't we're not having much fun here are we sort of thing. And she gets down and gets her face melted. 
it's, it's a really awful way to go. It's a cool effect. Not my favourite death, though. It's maybe top three, but wouldn't be my favourite death out of this episode. I, I just like the fact which they... Their first death with these, with these quirks use this special effect... And then they just couldn't be bothered to do it again throughout the entirety of the story. Translation, the BBC did not provide them with the financial power, I think. Yeah. Then just don't do it and use that money on better sets. Just, like, don't use it once and then never again. Because otherwise mm. you're just making it seem really inconsistent and shit. The, the best death for me is um, there's a part in episode four where the Doctor sends Jamie and another one of the Dulcian characters. I think his name was, um, and this is when I check it again, because I know roughly what it sounds like, Cully, that's it. Who's sort of sort of like a nepotism family relative of one of the council members and is seen as a bit of a joke. Uh, he's with Cully and the Doctor's figured out how to sort of bomb the Quarks. These little bombs, he's given a few to them. Yeah. And so they camp out, obviously, at the top of a cliff in the quarry and they see three Quarks just going about their business Doing and they bomb them and they just blow to bits <laughs> in this ludicrous wide shot like there's no danger and then but then we have that but in every other shot where we use these bombs against the corks basically nothing happened they get knocked over yeah well yeah it was like they dropped one bomb and one of the three fell over and the other two go to aid them then they drop the second one and they get absolutely murdered like like there are bits of them a mile away yeah it just doesn't make much sense <laughs> i mean we don't have to worry about the consistency and, and this is what i mean by saying it is a fun episode at times because there are moments like that that are good fun to watch particularly as it gets towards the end there's a bit more action and there's a there's a little bit of a comedic tone to it towards the end which which alleviates i think some of the boredom from the initial episodes um, but, that but, doesn't rep- but the issue yeah. is the gaps between those fun, exciting, humorous bits oh, is massive big. and they're very boring. Uh, yeah. By the fact which you can tell, we are probably, I'm going to say, probably a good half an hour through this podcast and we haven't talked about the story. I mean, what is the story? Exactly. That's why I kind of struggle when you gave me the synopsis thing other than making jokes about their outfits. The Dr. Jamie and Zoe turn up the Dominators want to take over this planet, find a slave race on it. They find the Doctor and Jamie. They think maybe they're the slave race. So they lie, pretend to be these Dulcian people to get out of being. So they figure out what the Dominators want. The Dominators then capture Zoe and a few of the actual Dulcians. They figure out that maybe they're, they could be a slave race. So they go through, they sort of like work the drills and they try to find a way out. But that doesn't work because Jamie kind of messes it up. Yeah, it's just... It feels like it could have been shorter, and even then, there wasn't isn't much content there. Yes, like you've got thing with a story for most basic rule, which which is so basic. James will probably now tell me is wrong. Okay, you've got a beginning, middle, and end. It doesn't feel like this has a beginning. It feels like it's got a beginning and an end. It kind of just. We See, I thought it was go. just one very long middle. Yeah, it kind of just goes. It, it's go, a very static oh, story. Oh, poop. We've only got 15 minutes left. We've given no reason for this story to end. Oh, let's have them drill. Let's just have them drill. That, that worked well with a plan of darts. Yeah, yes, it did. Yes, it did. Let's just have them <laughs> drill. And how, are we going to, how are we going to make that? But if they just drill, what are we going to do from that? Oh, 
What do we do with Planet of Daleks? Oh, yeah, no, not Planet of Daleks. Invasion of Daleks. Dalek invasion of Earth. Dalek invasion of Earth. Oh, we just dropped a, dropped a bomb controller thing down it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, let's just copy that. Let's just copy that. But then how do we stop it from there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I have an idea. They dig a tunnel, they catch they it, catch it, they catch, and then they shove bomb. it, shove it onto the ship, which has no security measures, and they just put it behind a quark who has no idea. It's rather also, incredible. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it is. It is I a mean, weird what, story. I don't particularly think I'm going to go back and rewatch it. No, it doesn't have a lot of rewatch. It, the first three episodes in particular, you do just feel like this is one of the most generic episodes. Not to say it's awful, but it's very generic. It's kind of just everything you've seen before with no personality to it. Just a, just a retread of things that we've gotten used to in previous episodes, particularly Trout episodes. And there was even retreads of some of the Hartnell stuff, like, ooh, here's two races who maybe have slightly different views on things, and now we have to figure out what's going on. And... But even in those episodes, like, there was always the thing that happened where you met the first race and you thought, oh, these are the good people, and then you realised they weren't, and they did the twist. And at least that was interesting when they did a twist. Here, they just, here's your good people, here's your bad people. Oh, the good people are beating the bad people. Well, let's fuck off home. We've, we've sorted that problem. And with that, it's the end of the podcast. <laughs> there is one more thing I do want to talk about. Okay. And then I think it will be the end of the podcast. There isn't much to say, uh, which is I want to have a deep, deep conversation about the production Dave, values on this episode. You're going to go deep. Oh, no, he's going deep. What do you want to say about this episode? The Dominators are here. Uh, what I wanted to say was just the production values have rewound so far in this episode. Yeah. And and it and it makes the story worse in multiple ways. Yeah. Because what they're doing is the whole thing's in this quarry, basically, and there's a couple of yeah. ship sets, but it's just quarry yeah. stuff that's in a set, either it's on location. Could you shut up? <laughs> you said you're gonna have a deep talk. I'm oh, going deep. You, you want me to have a deep talk, do you? Yes, it's for having a really, deep, really deep talk. So they go they, there's a quarry, <laughs> it's all in the quarry. Okay, and yeah. the, the problem is the quarry setting is just so darn flat because it's a fucking quarry. <laughs> There's just nothing even to look at. It's not interesting to watch because you're just watching, ah, yes, here's some rock, here's some rock. Oh, now there are quarks on it and, and now they've died. And it also, f sorry. And, uh, and it also faced the same problem which the <laughs> original Hartnell episode had, which is that when they're on the sets and they're in front of a painted background, it's very obviously a painted <laughs> background, which kind of just takes you out of it. Like, you can kind of get aware of it sometimes, but here it is very obvious. The only credit I'll personally give it is that they employed an artist. And so someone <laughs> earned money for traditional handcraft work. And it's, yeah, it's it, very nicely painted. It's just so obviously a painting. Yeah, it, it just... As I said at the very beginning, it feels like it's a William Hartnell episode. And there are some like ludicrous continuity errors. Like like back to the Thrill Seeker pod, which was genuinely more interesting than most of the characters in the show, even though they're there for like five minutes. You know when they crash into the so-called island of death? Yes. <laughs> they have this so what happens is it's you know, oh we're gonna crash, and then you have this close-up of it going close to the ground. And then sound of explosion, it cuts away, and then they all just get up in a completely static ship <laughs> as if nothing's happened. Actually, no. My favourite bit in this entire episode 
is you they've got like these tiny pods. I forgot what they call them. They've got these pods which essentially fly directly to some other place, don't they? Do you know yeah, what I'm like, about? They're like fast travel pods, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I thought at one moment thought, ooh, it's James Bond's here. Because they use a James Bond, oh, I'm pointing a gun at you effect. And I thought, oh, James Bond, it might get interesting now. <laughs> that would be, what, James Bond, Doctor Crossover. Here's, here's a question, which Doctor would be the best James Bond? Third. My vote, yeah, that's a good chat. My, my vote would have been either Eccleston, Eccleston if you want like the gritty Bond that like is not a nice guy. And then maybe Paul McGann if you want like the suave Bond don't know i think paul mcgann can do suave but there we yeah, go i think it's just because he's like he the romantic could, doctor isn't he that's that that's not his that's not that's not his doctor's character in the movie they kind of set him up as being like a bit more romantic and a bit more humor with all with the whole oh i'm actually half human bollocks can i speak about bollocks and v8 doctor quickly just as a bit of filler <laughs> Yes, is this audio stuff we're about to go yes. into? Yes. I thought you might be going into the Eighth Doctor Adventures. So, can you tell that the Dominators doesn't have much to talk about, that we're on Eighth Doctor Audio Adventures? Do you remember for, t- for a message I sent you, and I was in Gatwick Airport waiting for my flight to get me to Scotland to move here? Yes. I was listening to a, a Doctor Who Eighth Doctor Adventure where they had some alien races which were quite amusing mm. so one of the races were essentially jellyfish which walked on solid ground okay right yeah and the bad guys were clams who walked so it's Fucking so it's amazing sea- character design um, so it's a seaweed adventure it's a seafood yeah. adventure but that isn't my issue with the story the issue with the story is that they make the doctor forget lucy his companion at the time and forget all of their travels for like the entire episode oh, just, oh yeah they memory wipe him they memory wipe him and they t- they don't just memory wipe him they take him so essentially plot spoilers here for one of the eighth doctor stories um he dies ah. but he doesn't die lucy yeah. finds him 600 years in the future so the Doctor has forgotten everything he did with Lucy because he's been spending 600 years with the um, jellyfish people. Do you, know what the, do you know what the word that came into my head over and over again when you said 600 years was? What? Moffat, Moffat, Moffat. <laughs> it just and screams it, Moffat, that does. But, but, but the annoying thing is about it, as a plot point, it's mentioned in the next episode... Never again, from what yeah. I can see so far. <laughs> it hasn't been mentioned again so far. Yeah, but they did that stuff. But they've done that stuff in New Who, like the Trenzalor yeah. stuff, never got brought up again, even oh, though he was yeah. there for like 2,000 years. Heaven sent Capaldi was there for about a million, billion years, and it was just never brought up. Yeah. However, I'm still enjoying Eighth Doctor's Adventures. I'm still enjoying wasting my money on Big Finish stuff. I love Lucy Miller. I love the Eighth Doctor, and I love their adventures. And if and you should probably go and listen to that um, other than the Dominators, which I think we've probably run out of things to say now that we've gotten onto Eighth Doctor Adventures. And is there any last thing you do want to want to put on this episode before we wrap up? Give it a score. 
Yes. So, I was listening to some, some other Ave Doctor's adventures. Oh my fucking... Right, what's the score? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's actually something which I think you would like. If the Ave Doctor goes to future Earth and meets Susan and her son. Whoa. Yeah. Is Susan still and... screaming? <laughs> Sorry? Is Susan still screaming, do you reckon? Uh, no, she has become a politician to try to help convince the Earth Council, which they need to get some help because things aren't going their way. They're being taken over by extremists. I see. How how future Earth is this? Because I'm trying to get... I think her Cause... son is 18 or 16. He's at university. Right. I'm trying to work out canonically where this is because obviously Susan gets dropped off in about 2150. In Dark well, Invasion of Earth. Yeah. So it's got to be like 2175? Yeah. Maybe? If, I mean, to be fair, she was she's probably jumping David's bones with how lovely he was. So maybe only about 2167. Yeah. So yeah... Um, and it turns out which the Doctor's um, son, uh, not grandson, is joining the extremist camp. Yeesh. And That's a tough, they, tough one. They, they deal with that and an alien race which has come to invade. It's quite a good audiobook. Quite a good, quite a good Eighth Doctor adventure. At this, at this point, we will be reviewing Eighth Doctor audio adventures as opposed, <laughs> as opposed to season six. It's it's not been a glowing start, has it? There's there's good bits about this episode, but but they're few and far between in comparison to the to the grind that a lot of it is. Yeah. Do you know something else which I'm looking forward to? Is it an eighth Doctor audio adventure? No. Is it ninth Doctor audio adventure? Yes. There we go. Do, do you know who's coming back for the ninth Doctor audio adventures? I have told you, and I'm curious to see if you actually read this message I sent you. It is a good question. Um. My joke would be that they'd bring back the mocks of Balhoom, but I'd sense they probably won't. Um, no, won't be in, won't be in, won't be in. Oh, just just bring back that, just bring back the Slovene woman, bring back Margaret. No, even better. Who are they bringing back? Because, yeah, I can't remember. Lethbridge Stewart! Oh, yeah, they are bringing back Lethbridge Stewart. I was thinking about, like, Ninth Doctor characters that are, like, exclusively Ninth Doctor. Jeffrey Stewart, I'm so excited. Finally, a, a Ninth Doctor Big Finish production adventures, which I might actually enjoy. Who have they got, who have they got playing him? Is it actually Courtney? No, it's not Courtney. Courtney died. Yeah, so I was thinking, so who have they got playing him? Uh, a famous impersonator whose name I have completely forgotten. Oh, that works then. F- think of some impersonators, I'll say yes while I Google. I remember there was like a, there was like a Doctor Who impersonator on YouTube that did a lot of that no, did some actually- of the audio reading. An actual like big impersonator person who you probably would know as in pop. Oh, culture. Well, like like a John Culshaw sort of. That's the Tens- sort of like if you say big impersonator, I think John Culshaw or Rory Bremner or somebody like that. John Culshaw. It is John Culshaw. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Culshaw's done a few who ones. Yeah, no, that works. If it's Culshaw, that'll be that should be all right. Yeah. How Big Finish does this annoying thing, which annoys me. So it's. Available February 2022. Yeah, so this month. They don't tell you when. <laughs> Is it just a surprise drop? 
I could probably find it if I tracked it down, but on the actual webpage for the audiobook, it does doesn't say. Does it have an say. asterisk on it? And then in really small print, just goes, if we get it ready on time. Oh, no, they've, they've, they've re- pre-recorded enough to go into, like, 2023. They have recorded. Now, and they edited. Probably they've made a start. They're probably faster at editing than me. Well, hey, Jacob, my how far behind I am on editing our podcast and releasing them. Um. Indeed. <laughs> but but shall we finish this podcast up? Because we've got about audio for ten minutes. Yeah. So how how do you rate this episode out of ten? Uh, I'm gonna give it a four. I would probably give it around an eight. I really enjoyed um, how they brought a beast and they mixed in a little bit of... Uh, oh, no, wait, we're not doing audio adventures, are we? I'm going to give this no, one no, here probably around, probably around four. Probably around four. Yeah, I think it's. I think it has to be there because it's definitely not average. It's just There are some things that are worth it. Zoe's got potential. Jamie's a little better. It's a little bit funny. The end's all right. It's just but the rest boring. is a bit of a grind. Yeah. Even talking about episodes. it has been boring. Yeah, just, you find yourself just going, we could be talking about anything else. Speaking of anything else, have you heard about this big thing? <laughs> no, I'm not going to. Fuck off. <laughs> so if you enjoyed this utter ramble fest of an FNF podcast episode, who knows how much we'll make it disclaimer, in. disclaimer, innit? Um, it had the best intro, the worst chat, and everything else being terrible. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a review, preferably not based on this episode because it won't be a good review. And if you want to get in touch with us and if you have seen The Dominators or want or are interested to see any more about it, uh, then why don't you get in touch? It, you can get to us on Twitter. That's at Black Archive Pod. Or you can email us blackarchivepod at gmail.com. No spaces, all lowercase. And if you're emailing us to try to sell us your podcasting service, please fuck off. <laughs> yes, we have one. It's fine. Word to yeah, all of much the listening. podcast platforms out there. Thank yes, you we'll very you much we... for listening. Catch you when I next record an episode. When I next edit yes. this episode. When we next edit one. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Sorry. We'll catch you then. See you later. Goodbye. I've got no time. Sorry. I ain't got no life. <laughs>